1: Hello there, internet wanderers. Welcome back to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist.
0: And I'm Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I'm a cognitive neuroscientist.
1: Real Psych is your favorite podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in each and every one of your favorite movies.
0: J.D., will there be learning? Yeah. Will there be science? Whatever. (laughs) Well, there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't even care.
1: I literally, like, I'm not sure, but, like, you seem pretty obsessed with it, so, like, I guess maybe. <laughs> Hi, George.
0: Hi. How you doing? I have slightly better lighting, but it's a uh, been a process.
1: It's it's you know this whole podcast we're we're coming up on the round of on the end of year 1 and it is it's been growth you know Yeah and some and some of it's been really growth <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that's defensive I shouldn't do that I shouldn't Um but I did uh, and, here we are. and here we are Yeah I mean look at us we are coming up on on our 1 year yeah. podcast anniversary In fact, you and I recorded the first half of the the first episode, like the first week of December last year. So we're really almost there. Wild. Wild.
0: What a journey.
1: We were strangers starting out on a journey. (laughs) Oh, no. Am I going to become a famous singer now? Oh, no. Oh, I hope not. I'm so busy. (laughs) (laughs) Who has the time? (laughs) Who has the time? Uh, Hey, it was election week this week in the world, the country that we live in.
0: Yes, that
1: that Uh, it went mostly okay. it seems for those of us. I don't know how you vote. I tend to vote Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it went pretty all right for us.
0: Yeah, it's a nice. uh, It's a bit of a relief. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, they're also like Donald Trump is running again. He just announced I'm Like we knew this. Like, yeah, but like, it's like it's like the last three elections. So like 2022, 2020, 2018, Republicans have underperformed. I'm feeling like, OK, we're hanging on like, you know, yeah. abortion was a bigger issue than like pundits and the media thought Yeah. like oh it died out and nobody cares anymore but people do shockingly yeah care about women's autonomy but um you know so i feel like there's there's definitely some things that are encouraging it's still a scary place to live and be but
1: it is yeah. And it's scary, like just that we're so scared every time. Yeah. It's scary it's that we're so scared. It's very stressful. Yeah. Because, like, yo, like there's enough if we share.
0: Ugh, that, I mean, that that's a whole psycho- psychological
1: Scarcity thing. Scarcity mindset we've talked about. I mean, listen to previous episodes of Real Psych. You'll hear yeah. all sorts of stuff. In fact, listen to the last episode of Real Psych and you'll hear. Lots about it. But revisit that Black Panther app. Yeah. Heck yeah.
0: So if we share it's just, yeah, it's just exhausting.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm tired. But mm-hmm. you know what makes me feel awake?
0: Jennifer Lopez.
1: Jennifer Lopez.
0: <laughs> I do love her.
1: I love her so much. You know, I, my sister asked me like, oh, what movie is, is coming up this week? And I was like, made in Manhattan. And she goes, you two really love Jennifer Lopez, huh?
0: <laughs> I was like, we do. I was really like, I was like made in Manhattan or Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And <laughs> we'll get to just, Sister Pants. Yeah, we will get to we'll Sister Pants. We'll get to pants. Sister
1: Pants real soon.
0: It's it's like my backup every single episode, to be honest, like that I sister have pants? to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's, it, there's a lot there. Uh, but why don't we talk about this movie?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about this one let's first. Let's talk about
1: this one. Uh, what movie did we watch? Made in Manhattan.
0: Yep, I had never seen it before. Oh so it was interesting God. because I did not have the nostalgia factor. Um, and <laughs> it made it a little less enjoyable. <laughs> 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 I, I feel like. Obviously, I loved it. It's, you know, I
1: mean, it's a rom-com. It's a rom-com. Of it's the a rom-com
0: 2000s. What's not to love? It has everything that I love, right? It has JLo. It has love. A, it has love. It has a cute little boy. It has like, with
1: politics,
0: fun friends,
1: a dog. Amy Stanley yeah.
0: Bob Hoskins, Bob which Hoskins. I literally was like, Oh my God, it's me. We just saw him. So Wait,
1: do you know what my like shocking, uh, real psych overlap was what her mother has been in a previous real psych film. Her Which one? Mom, the mom, the woman who plays J Lo's mom, whose yeah. name is escaping me right now, is one of the dance teachers in Center Stage. The one who goes, "Just dance the shit out of it." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: when she that's takes wild. the class, she's like, "What do you want to take?" She's like, "Oh, anything but ballet." She goes right. to the studio and she's the dance right. teacher. Right? Oh <laughs> dance my god! the shit out of it. And
0: that's like a similar time
1: yeah just a couple of years within before. like a year or two.
0: Oh my goodness
1: yes yeah i was like it took me i was like i know her how do i know her and then i just discovered how i knew her and i was like that is how i know her <laughs> that was a good sentence that really added a lot of value to
0: this podcast <laughs> it was the tone the tone was helpful yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. um Stanley Tucci, Amy Sedaris, Natasha Richardson, yeah, Bob Hoskins, two not two in a row, but two in a month, yeah, skipped over two Joanna picks in a row. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, so you know, it let's just let's get into it. What happens?
1: There's actually not that much that happens in this movie.
0: No, it 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 went by real quick. Goes by real quick. Not what I can always say about some of the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Opens on Marissa, who's played by Jennifer Lopez, and she has a son. Yep, they're rushing out the door. She's a single mom, uh, and she is a um, maid at a hotel, like a pretty fancy hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, and we see it's very Downton Abbey, like where they have, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. where they have like the meetings and like the you know we're all like yeah. People in the service industry. Preparing you know, to serve. Preparing, the like working really hard. Yeah, company. just, like, getting ready, you know, being experts in, like, what each of the little quirks of these returning guests yeah. are, talking really, about I all mean, the different in a, personalities.
1: In a, a luxury boutique hotel, right? They're mm-hmm. in, like, a, this isn't a chain. This isn't, like, they're in a luxury hotel that I don't think exists, right? I don't know. I don't think it's. Weird. No, I've never heard of it. Um, and they are trying to like really they have the kind of guests that pay you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars per stay so they're really trying to like customize and like really build like a concierge experience for them
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you see um uh what's her name francis uh Balenciaga. no uh she plays ruth fisher on uh on six feet under francis conroy uh, as the boss of all of the, the, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. seems to be a very like gender divided staff where there's like men who are butlers and women who are maids.
0: Well, there's the, the butlers whole, like, have like yeah. a higher
1: level of service expectation. They're not cleaning. They're mm-hmm. in the like more of a service space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marissa is trying to get promoted to manager. So they announced that, the, you know, uh, Francis Conroy announces this position is opening.
0: Open. Yeah.
1: And we see sort of a few cues that jennifer lopez works very hard at her job she is very good at her job Mm -hmm. um it's really pulling out a very similar character to the wedding planner um like a very similar like you know what i'm amazing at what i do i'm organized i know what you need before you need it boom um
0: yeah i mean it's interesting like all of the people around her just kind of like are props to like prop her up and are her bigger supporters like yeah her her best friend like applying to the job on her behalf or like really wanting her to apply it's like right would that happen like Uh, right does this person have any you deserve
1: this and she's like you deserve it you work so hard you have a son and it's like i think you probably maybe have a kid i don't know
0: yeah Yeah. like what's your story lady like i don't know um but
1: jennifer lopez is uh the prettiest one. So she has to get all the good <laughs> <That's> things. <true. laughs> that incredible. is true.
0: She is the prettiest one.
1: I mean, period. Like honestly, you any category. Jennifer Lopez is gonna be the prettiest one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's not even like rude to say.
0: No, it's just like it's just facts.
1: It's just facts. And you and I are scientists. We love facts. Yeah. So there's this job. Uh, anyways, there there's a uh, there's this uh, Natasha Richardson plays this woman, Caroline who is a nightmare person. Like you just, mm-hmm. they, they do actually kind of do an amazing job of her exposition of how you let, how they let you know she's the worst. Yeah. With a phone call that she's on that where she's just talking about the ways that the mind game she is trying to like get her ex to, it, it is a very, like it, it can be very easy in a movie to be like, oh, her, she's terrible. But instead they kind of let her tell you that she's terrible, which I think is just yeah. a fun little device yeah um she's coming in and staying in the thing. she immediately uh upon like Jennifer Lopez entering uh demand like enters into this really like classist and somewhat racist role um not that it is not racist. it is absolutely racist, but like you know, it's this time where I don't think they were pointing out how racist it was on purpose,
0: yeah, this is like yeah. Yeah. It was all rolled into just terribleness.
1: Right. Her character, I don't think, I don't think ca- the character of Caroline would ever describe it as racist, despite like calling Marissa Maria. And like these different things are like not a good look. Right. Um, anyways, so she misnames her and then asks her to do a job that is not in her job description. She asks her to go to start running like, errands run for errands. her. Run errands, yeah. Run errands for her. And she does the like the rich person thing where she's like, I wouldn't. I'm just like <sighs> I really can't. And I really need yeah. to. I just really need that. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. You're, you're literally a lifesaver. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. But also,
0: yeah. Like it's like where news, she but asks, like but it's not a request. She's not
1: asking. Yeah. It's not yeah. a request. And then she, she falsifies this like, uh, ret- gratitude i was like gratuity is not the word gratitude
0: (laughs) there's gratuity
1: as well there's gratuitous gratitude in this (laughs) in this scene so she uh and so there's this uh so she's now has to go get her nylons and then runs to see her son who's having trouble public speaking he has trouble public speaking then Mm -hmm. she comes back uh to the hotel the next day and her son comes with her and her friend is like, oh, this woman is so fancy. And she's like, the fancy woman asks her to return the clothes. The return Gucci. clothes from her closet. Her Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, yeah, like, Dolce & Oh, you know what she said, actually, in the first scene that I thought was like, ooh, racism. Where she was like, you look like someone who knows the difference between caramel and taupe. And I was oh. like, Oh, row." Yeah. And I was like.
0: I that actually went over my head because I was like, oh, she's just woman to woman or something.
1: I think she's woman to woman, but she's saying to her like,
0: no, 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 never I buy see that now. Stockings yeah. that are
1: too pale. Right. Like, I think she's it's a colorism. Statement.
0: Fun. Um,
1: I honestly think like. Colorism, not fun, but I actually think like I kind of enjoy the way they write these microaggressions into the film and sort of like illustrate it.
0: I am not sure it was intentional. Mm, you think i think they're you know what i mean like it's like not this is all just like this is what a terrible person would do or like i don't know the where... tope
1: and caramel
0: that yeah, feels race.
1: that feels racial
0: i bet maybe j-lo is like she should say this maybe yeah i could see that
1: she's got ideas um uh so the next day she's like can you just return these clothes to me? Thank you so much. You're such a lifesaver. I really appreciate you. And like yeah. walks away. So mm-hmm. they go into her room to like, you know, clean it and stuff. And then they pull out the thing. And her friend is like, you have to put this $5,000 coat on.
0: Yeah. Because you're the same size and it's just so beautiful. Size.
1: It's so beautiful. And honestly, like it's peak Jennifer Lopez. Like this clothing is like 2002. Jennifer Lopez, like walking down the street in a $5,000 Dolce and go coat is like believable. It's probably like, just
0: she... like her clothes. Yeah. It probably is her clothes.
1: Yeah, I mean, also like the and or she probably they they could return it too.
0: Yeah, but I I bet it's like in her contract of like she gets to keep it or
1: you know maybe. I mean, at this point, also Dolce and Gabbana would be like, please talk about our clothes that make you look beautiful and expensive. So like, who knows? Um, We'll have Jennifer Lopez on next week and see what she had to say. (laughs) Um, Anyways, she's. I need to return her call. Um, (laughs) So. She uh puts on the clothes, her son meets Ray Finds, this like assemblyman, New York State Assembly person, uh in the elevator with Stanley Tucci, his like curmudgeony like
0: chief of staff or something.
1: Their, like chief of staff, like campaign manager or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cause he's gonna announce that he's like running for the the Senate, uh, the US Senate. And so he's like also like a household name. Everybody recognizes him. Because right. you know, if you're walking around Manhattan, you're gonna be like, "Is that the state
0: assemblyman?" Yeah, and the ten year old the ten year old also knows exactly well, the who. The ten year old
1: weirdly is felt like the most believable thing because he's obsessed with politics in different mm-hmm. ways. So, like that actually felt more normal for me than like paparazzi being like assemblyman, assemblyman.
0: Like, yeah, there's way more famous people in New York at right? this time. I mean,
1: even like a current senator who like is about to announce their campaign is mostly gonna just like have scheduled things. But what do we know? You know what we've never run for senate
0: yet it's true
1: real psych for senator um
0: <laughs> I, was, I was a cute dog
1: cute dog Why hmm big old dog um he meets him in the elevator the kid says some like interesting and like overly on the nose like things about his politics he knows his voting record and he's like very interested in this kid who gets to know him and then the kid's like if i ask my mom can i come so he goes up to the floor where she's on to ask if he can go and walk in the park with this strange man in the middle of New York city. Luck could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And they walk into the, into suite 22. And instead of her being in her maid, maid costume her maid <laughs> uniform, <laughs> it's a movie. They're all costumes. Yeah. in her maid uniform, she's in this Dolce & Gabbana thing. And then her friend calls her Caroline and sort of decides to play the role because also mm-hmm. like he is a guest in the hotel. Like, so like, it's not okay that the maids are wearing the, the cl- clothes yeah. of the guests. So I get why they're like, you're just going to have to play this out as yeah. you're staying here. Mm-hmm. Um. But she also was like, he's hot. And her, again, her friends are like wanting good things for her more than she is wanting good things for yeah. her. Which y'all, nobody can want something enough for you to have it. You've got to want it for yourself.
0: Yeah. These um, kinds of movies really lied to me about what friendships are like.
1: What friendships are like. I know literally being like, <laughs> Honestly, not one of my friends has ever applied for a job for me. I'm kind of mad.
0: So rude.
1: so rude. I
0: definitely have main character energy, and I don't understand my reality. Also,
1: let's be real. Imagine you, Joanna, working in a hotel, and your friend is like, put on the clothes. You would be like, literally, stop it. Like, you would be so mad.
0: I would never even... I'd be like, we work each room room individually. We don't speak during... Yeah, I'm not a real breaker. No. And I'm also not main character energy. Like I'm the, I would make a great friend in a movie. I think you make a great friend in real life.
1: (laughs) Um. So anyways, so they have this little like meet cute. He's of course immediately like, wow, you look as beautiful as Jennifer Lopez. And then they go outside and they go for a walk and there's some paparazzi. Anyways, uh, cut to, they like, she's like, oh no, this can never happen again. He sends a letter to her in her room to Caroline, and of course it goes to Natasha Richardson, whose mm-hmm. real name is Caroline. Mm-hmm. And there's this little, like, Shakespearean kind of, like, rut-row moment where he goes to a lunch, and Caroline shows up to the lunch, thinking, and she's like, of course, this, like, man-hungry, rich, evil woman.
0: On the rebound.
1: On the rebound. um, Who terrible tasting clothes too i love how they dress her because it's so because actually natasha richardson is like quite a like chic woman and they dress mm-hmm. her just chic with like murk, like just yeah just let's say like a
0: little bit yeah
1: um amy sedaris has ha, like as they're preparing for the lunch actually does like several outwardly racist things that mm-hmm. i think is very well aware are yeah uh, racist she speaks to her in spanish when like it is not necessary or just
0: uh, like says that she's oh that like you know she doesn't understand because she doesn't speak english she doesn't understand
1: english she also like you know more towels rapido despite the
0: fact that that she has no accent either when she's speaking english like there's no like even indication that she can't speak english right
1: right uh just has a bunch of like she's so rude and so jennifer lopez manages to be like rude right back to her when she's Mm -hmm. saying what she should wear and then she's sort of like breaks down what amy sedaris is wearing and it's like it looks kind of desperate um which like it's a good line it's a good line um and again amy sedaris is like a nightmare person as well but like Mm -hmm. even more so like Mm -hmm. she's like the nightmare sidekick so she's even more of a nightmare um anyways they this lunch happens and of course jennifer lopez has to be working at the lunch which like what a fancy hotel if you're able to just like host a lunch in your suite can you imagine yeah Anyways. So she gets out of there, Bob Hoskins like realizes what's going on. He's her sort of one level up boss. Mm-hmm. Uh and is like you fix this or whatever. Um they have another run-in where Ray finds is like why won't you hang out with me? And she's like cuz we live in different worlds, but she hasn't like told him. Which also like she kind of tells him several times. Like
0: yeah, she's, she's not... like I
1: live in the blocks in a four block radius my whole life. She says this yeah. like yeah, several times and then they're like what like yeah anyways. she's like no 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 and then he's like no please and then they have like a they have one more hangout or something and it all is like building to this like fundraiser at the end
0: mm-hmm.
1: y'all know every, like we don't even there's stuff that happens in the middle but like you really don't need to know it
0: no they like hang out a couple times they're they madly in love times, but they and can't
1: and, and you know, J Lo has a like secret. she is gonna be up for this promotion Mm-hmm. They do, that, that they're like no you're really good at the job we are going to accelerate you we are going to consider you for this manager job um then he's like just come to this fundraiser with me and they you know talk about class and like money and how she's like it's $2,500 a plate what if you just gave that $2,500 to the charity what if you right. that? instead of like what a crazy idea right and
0: Oh, and yes. there's the whole like montage, like makeover montage, where she's like in the beautiful outfit with the beautiful Harry and Winston Winston Yeah. And hair and makeup and all of that. Hair and, makeup. and this
1: movie is the first time I ever saw someone do their baby hairs. Cool. That was the, the first time I'd ever, ever, ever seen it. Yeah. Um, um, which I thought was really glam. Yeah. Um, very into it. So, yeah. She, and so the the Bob Hoskins tells her, you can go to this thing, but you have to, like, you should go to this event as his date and break it off with him so that you can become manager. And then once you're a manager at the hotel, you can date whoever you want.
0: Yeah, he has a lot of opinions on. Also, like her such
1: life. a weird thing when, like, being like. He's like, don't go. You absolutely cannot date him, but just have one more date.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just.
1: i mean it's a very like cinderella kind of story it's very cinderella Cinderella. so they're trying to have this kind of moment she shows up at the thing uh they like talk a little bit but then she like runs into caroline who's tracked him down to be at this event as well she's paid three thousand dollars just to go to this thing which like three thousand dollars in 2002 is like
0: a lot of money it's like a lot yeah
1: it's a lot of money um, and so she recognizes her, but can't figure out how she knows her because of course she looks she doesn't see her when she's an mm-hmm. age. She sees mm-hmm. her as like a, a peer in this space. Um, and then Jennifer Lopez gets stopped at the door by Ray Fiennes. They go back to his hotel, which is where she works. <laughs>
0: Just, all of that escalated very quickly for me. Yeah.
1: Which also like, I don't know, Ray Fines. Okay.
0: <laughs> Just like cut to. Yeah. Yeah. The next morning.
1: The next morning she's still wearing the the this diamond necklace. That is mm-hmm. worth that that necklace is probably like 6 million dollars. Like the number yeah. of diamonds on that thing is crazy. Nobody yeah. would let her borrow that necklace. No.
0: I don't care. Like, but all of these are like women in the service industry who have each other's backs. But and even
1: like, when a celebrity wears that, like to the Oscars, there's a there's security a bodyguard team that follows yeah. them. Yeah, there's literally yeah. a security team totally that just follows them places. We all saw Oceans Eight,
0: and um, also How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days.
1: How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days.
0: I think about that scene all the time because I'm just like, that a is a frosting. great party idea.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, they did that on, uh, this last season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, amazing. Uh, anyways, the next morning she gets clocked walking out of his hotel room by Caroline. Who, let's be real. If she was that desperate and she knew where his hotel room was, she would have knocked on that door that night.
0: Mm. Yeah. She knew where he was staying.
1: Mm hmm. I think she would have knocked on that door. Yeah. She's walking anyways, doesn't matter. Um
0: it's a deleted scene. She
1: gets yeah, it's a deleted scene. She gets caught. Caroline takes it to security. The fit hits the Shan.
0: Yeah, cuz she saw the security photo of her wearing the clothes that she was supposed to return.
1: Of her wearing the clothes.
0: And it's funny because I was so caught up in the like rom of it all. And you're like, "Oh, Caroline's bad." and J-Lo is good. And then when when she like laid out the argument, she Caroline still acted like a trash person about it. But I'm like, I would be pretty pissed too. like that's like pretty bad for well, an employee to do. They do
1: a nice job. so the clothes that she wore were clothes that she was returning. so they're not her clothes in that, but same then
0: she she way. decided to keep them
1: but. Then she didn't return them, so they were yeah. still in her closet. So it and is she... in this little moral gray area where, like, she had released them.
0: You're you sound like the friend that was justifying what they were
1: doing. I'm just saying. I don't think like <laughs> Jen. Like she had she asked her to return them, which means they're now property of Dolce and Gabbana again. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. It's still and then her, like... and then like using her name and her sweet number.
1: Well, the name I think is the worst thing. Um, but then she, I love actually the way they write it in the script where she was like, she told me her name was Maria.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like like, she, she does it in a way where you're like, right. Like she does it in a way where I'm like, she has a case here. Oh, but she's still terrible.
1: She's still terrible. Yeah. Also like, yeah, I don't even know. I would probably be more just like, I don't even need you to fire her. I would just like a free stay. Also, notably they she charged that ticket to that thing on her room be like I just like all that to be taken care of but also i'm not rich
0: so right like like money isn't anything
1: money isn't anything to her she's like the head of sotheby's the something of sotheby's anyways yeah doesn't matter uh the fit hits the shan he finds out she's a maid oh no and he's so angry which this movie has one of those tropes that always kills me where it's like i have to tell you something and he's like it doesn't matter And just French, 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 French. Yeah. It's like, uh,
0: could you just. But it does matter.
1: But it does matter. Um, But also like on both sides, that bothers me. Like she could also be like, I'm helpless to your kisses. Like instead, she could be like, bro. Yeah. Listen
0: up. Seriously. Yeah.
1: Don't be fooled by these rocks that I've got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did not plan that. I did not plan that, that, but it worked
1: out actually really well yeah um cut to she goes home this is actually an important scene she goes home and her mother is like i told you not to essentially get above your station like not to dream not to think you're better than who you are who you are and her and you find out her mom cleans houses and she is really like hard on her she's like you're a mother you have to do these things and jennifer lopez is like I'm not going to clean houses. I'm going to go. I'm going to start over again as as a maid in a hotel. I'm going to work my, my way up. And in a few years, I'm going to apply for a job as a manager. Like this is she's like, this is my trajectory. Yeah. I'm not like there's nowhere to grow if I'm cleaning mm-hmm. houses, mm-hmm. which like makes sense. I guess you could, you know, there are ways to grow, of course, if you're cleaning houses for those who are listening. I'm sure you have lots of ideas on how you can grow. Um, but uh, she, it's not for her. And there's like, you know, I think it's a. an an important conversation just generally
0: it's interesting to see yeah like get insight into like how she was raised and stuff
1: how she was raised why she's hesitant why her friends have to apply for manager jobs for her Mm -hmm. and then uh cut to the kid tracks down ray fines and is like
0: date my mom yeah like time passes
1: it's a few months i think yeah
0: yeah and uh yeah the kid tracks down yeah what's his face
1: Brings him into the hotel, they smooch, then it's in the tabloids that he's, like, dating someone who works in the service industry, God forbid.
0: Yeah. And that's the whole movie.
1: And that's the movie. And that is A Maid in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Tell me... Okay, now we've discussed it. Tell me your thoughts, feelings, reactions, needs, wants, fears, hopes...
0: I had a lot of stuff come up, I think, watching this again through like a 2022 lens. Um, yeah. And like a lot, like I got real into the research, like real, I have like a lot to say, but it is <laughs> not well organized in my head or in what, what I will say.
1: A lot of conversation.
0: So it's just, it's going to be, yeah, discussional, is that a word? Yeah. Uh, but really, you know, this concept of American dream of Especially in the Latino community, like like uh, how that relates to immigrants and Latino immigrants um and and just like the role of hope and optimism and like things will work out um, yeah. despite like institutional <laughs> racism and prejudice and right. discrimination and just like it's this really interesting concept this american dream which i was surprised that like well we saw this in um real women have curves too which is like the mother the mother characters like don't want their daughters to dream too big right and it kind of accept their role in society Mm -hmm. um and but there's this other part you know this other very hopeful optimistic part of the the daughters who like you know, have this hope for upward mobility mm-hmm. through hard work and uh, dedication and education and, you know, like all of these things. And, and it's just like a really interesting construct to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I've, I kind of fell into that hole.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this movie, I mean, I this movie is not one that I found to be like surprising and like the lens that I watched it through I think like I mean because it is so openly a movie about class
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it is so like openly like about
0: yeah it's, that's like, not like it wasn't like that when you first saw it right right so yeah. it's not
1: one of the ones where like oh my god right like when we watch mm-hmm. like like 50 first dates that we were like rut row like yeah. my my brain is different now like I'm right. looking at the world so differently and I don't know that this one felt like such a a switch for mm-hmm. me um i really was like i went in and i was like yep yeah, yep yeah. like i kind of knew where it was going to be i mean I, I i don't think i remembered that he was a republican
0: <laughs> i don't think yeah I that. that's an interesting one that's where, like, true
1: but he's like a republican who's like big on the environment or whatever so i'm like okay sure right he exists yeah um yeah as if um <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, it was a little I-, I think it's a it's a very like um, sort of facile approach to like, like, hey, she's from the Bronx and she knows like where what the people are like. And he mm-hmm. doesn't know what the people are like. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's a very like, you know, one dimensional kind of approach to like we have different lived experiences. I think they kind of let her be the expert on lived experiences and him be rich. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit rich. Um, But no, I mean, I, I mean, I really like this movie. I think like the, I actually think like, it's a movie that really makes like, that actually was able to like show racism in a way that was like, I don't even just mean like in a way that was digestible and like palatable for like a white audience. But I really mean like in a way that I think like I don't think it changed anyone's life or changed anyone's mind. But I do think like in a lot of Jennifer Lopez films, they don't talk about her race. Like at all.
0: Yeah. Did you know in The Wedding Planner, she's Italian? Yeah. I forgot.
1: I did know that. Yeah.
0: You're like, yeah.
1: So, yeah. And so like I think like the the I, I actually thought it was interesting. That they and it wasn't just a thing of like, you know, there there are ways in which like her race was very much like something she had again against her, like the ways in which the world approached her, right? The like calling her Maria and things like that, which again, I don't think was fully like done to like illustrate such a microaggression as much as like it really is. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. and yet it still accomplished it, right? It still did demonstrate this. So I don't know. I like I like this movie quite a bit. I, so you did some research on, um, the American dream. You did some research on, uh, some toxic positivity. Yes. I did some research on, um, the service industry and the sort of mindset, the psychological experience of working in this like service, um, oriented career. So that we'll be
0: right back. is
1: what we're going to talk about, but yeah. we are back
0: after these commercials. Susan. we're back we're back
1: we are back what a nice break we just had i hope y'all enjoyed those messages from our sponsors i really do
0: (laughs) from the bottom of our hearts
1: hey thank you okay (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay
1: okay uh joanna tell me what you learned
0: yeah let's get into it i feel like there's there's almost like a meta aspect to this film because of j like rise to stardom and <laughs> um even you know how she was like getting these kinds of parts the movie the roles that she was getting how she kind of transitioned from you know selena and you know like backup dancer on in living Mm -hmm. color to full-fledged like you know big movie star
1: and music this was all i mean like she's i think her first song that she released was in like 99 or 2000 99 yeah and the first movie she was in was in like 97 or 98 Mm
0: -hmm. selena
1: was 97 or 98 i want to say She also did Anaconda before she released um, music. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is all, I mean, this is four, four years later, right? Three, four years later. So like, this is all relatively like new in the sort of genesis of her career. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, you know, thinking about, I mean, even (laughs) not to like put like uh, blow up your spot again, but (laughs) uh, when we were guessing and I was like rom-com early 2000s. 100%. It was like all blonde, white actresses. That is and... not true.
1: I said Julia Roberts and Sandra that's Bullock. <laughs> Don't gaslight me. You're right. <laughs> but it was all very You're white right. ladies.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. even that was like really interesting. And so, um, <laughs> again, that's... <not> to... <laughs> we are products of society.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You're You make a great point.
0: But like it's so anyway so there's this kind of meta aspect to it there's this um article that I read just about Jennifer Lopez Hollywood and the American dream and kind of her rise to startup. Did you did you watch her documentary by the way that came out like this year?
1: You know I still haven't. Okay. The halftime I've, one?
0: Yeah, I feel like I've Maybe talked about it on the podcast
1: <laughs> a number of times. Actually, yeah, spent I a good amount of time on that.
0: Really liked it, but anyways, there's a <laughs> lot of messaging in there about like hard work and dedication and having to, yeah. um, kind of rise above your circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And like it's this, this rags to riches kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, and this is very much part of the American dream narrative, and um, it's something that you know th- this. In the last couple of years, as we're talking more about these kind of institutional systems of oppression mm-hmm. and how the American dream is something that is used to motivate or like provide hope to people who are marginalized right. in a way that makes it feel like it's on you, man. Like if you if you work really hard, you'll you can get just as you know, you can right take your place in this white dominated society. Yeah. You got to do the work, you know, you're the master of
1: your destiny.
0: Yeah. And so this idea of the American dream is not just, you know, Jennifer Lopez herself and her career, but it's also very much Marissa's story in this movie. And interestingly, the way that they highlight that is sort of in two ways, right? There's a kind of two paths to her getting quote unquote, getting out. Uh, One is, the professional path right her career Mm -hmm. which she is putting at risk for a dude but whatever um but you know like she she works really yeah (laughs) she you know she works really hard she's widely uh well regarded as someone who does her job well Mm -hmm. she's uh you know even um when this position for manager opens there's like uh, the friend asks can mates be considered and you know they have to like think amongst themselves for a second <laughs> and, and they're like well, oh, I... you, know,
1: I, uh, you know stranger things
0: have happened yeah anything is possible um yeah that's and, so and that guy's
1: that's... so weird could never play a good guy <laughs> once in his career there's no way that guy has <laughs> he's, ever he's very a
0: good nice at being person. that exact kind of person yeah um he anyways so <laughs> you know that Even that of just being like, well, we never thought about that, but I don't see why not, you know, but it's never occurred to us ever that half of our staff is eligible for this position that we're talking about, whatever. Yeah. Um, -hmm. and so, you know, we see her success and her hard work paying off in this kind of avenue. Right. And then we also see like how to how she's noticed by uh what's his name in this movie?
1: Rafe Finds is I don't know, Aaron. Like same
0: It's it's is it Ray finds or Ralph finds
1: it, so it's pronounced Rafe, but it is Rafe. Ralph. It's spelled Ralph. It's Irish. Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. That helps. Um Rafe. that's what it mm-hmm. yeah, Rafe. Okay.
1: But it is spelled Ralph.
0: Mm-hmm. But Ray Fine sounds like Ray.
1: Ray Fine.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> so I was like, am I just misremembering? Which okay, also, okay.
1: like, if you look at him, you're like, Ray is fine. <laughs>
0: and then he was Voldemort. Ray
1: is fine. It's true. He was Voldemort.
0: Yeah, I can't. I again, because Voldemort preceded my viewing of this movie, I, I just like don't right. see it. <laughs>
1: also, side note, I saw an interview. He was on Andy Cohen this week promoting his new movie, The Menu, uh,
0: mm-hmm. and he.
1: He was, like, he was like, have you ever read the Harry Potter books? He's like, no. And he was like, does <laughs> not care. Like, he just does not care. He was like, oh, like, what do you think about, like, the sequel to Harry Potter that, like, Bellatrix and Lord Voldemort had, like, a, a love child together, apparently, secretly. He's like, okay. Like, he does,
0: not... he does That's not hilarious. Even uh, a little bit. Love that. That's yeah. very Voldemort of him.
1: He was like, are you going to go see the play? He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you could just see him being like, don't, don't make me say no right. publicly, but I'm not gonna say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh gosh. Okay. So Rafe finds.
1: Rafe finds. Um
0: he there is an interaction between them w- as when she's a maid before he meets her as Caroline and he completely ignores her. She's in the yeah, bathroom.
1: In the bathroom.
0: Well, he and looks so, at her a
1: little bit. No, I feel like he leers at her a little bit. I think think he's like, that's an attractive woman, but he doesn't look her in the face. She also runs out of the room.
0: Yeah. There's not
1: like a meet cute eyes lock moment. He's got his pants open. (laughs) I would (laughs) say, I'll defend that part of the movie, at least in the sense where it's like, she doesn't, there's not a moment of like, he doesn't even notice her. It was also like, you ran, (laughs) which like, as she should have.
0: As she should have. But there is, I mean, they talk about in general, he's he is seen as quote unquote like you know representing the the needs of all the people but the not bougies. really seeing and yeah. understanding the needs of right. all the he's people. Right, he's a
1: rich person trying to understand what what it feels like to but be But
0: like not really trying working to understand. Class. Yeah. You know, like right. doing that Pretending within the confines it's of lip his service. own yeah, doing that within the safe confines of his own bubble.
1: Right, which and, they name really nicely where she's like you're going to go to the Bronx and tell them what it's like to live in the projects.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, like, um, but so, you know, this is like another avenue, right? Which is like you could marry someone really I guess, rich, yeah. I mean, right? she's really pretty. There, that, there's a premium I just mean there for, is be- like, for beauty, yeah. Yes, it comes with that is like a, a certain amount sort of social, social capital. Mobility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it's just interesting to see those kind of like two paths i guess Mm -hmm. and one is like the american dream way and the other is like because she has some level of privilege being her beauty right Right. um and you know i I think even like um i was reading this this article that was just this is just like film critique this is not psychology that's fine but just talking about the the role of stereotypes especially in like Like Latina, like stereotypes of being the maid. I mean, Uh, yeah, that show Devious Maids. I think about it just all the time. Like, just that. Do you remember that show?
1: No, I never saw that show.
0: It was like multiple seasons, but they were all Latina, and it was called Devious Maids, and it was like that was the show. (laughs) And I made. I just was like, I could whatever. Anyways, this is a very common stereotype. Yeah. Um, and. It also, you know, the way that um, these like Latina maids are portrayed mm-hmm. by people like Jennifer Lopez, um, they talk about Spanglish, which I guess came out around the same time. And she's like, oh, the their, movie? yeah, mm-hmm. the I forget the actress, but like, she's also she's Paz like, Vega? a, a ma- yeah, that sounds right. Is it Paz Vega? Um, I think it might be. But it's like, you know, it's this idea of making. It's this interesting time, too, in America with, like, anti-immigrant sentiment, and you want to, like, show um, this American dream, this hopeful narrative, right? Right. But you also don't want to be, like, making white people feel uncomfortable, essentially, with, like... Right. So it's just this interesting uh, balance between being, like, these are the stereotypes, but... They've got a way out, guys, and like they're they're working really hard and they're very good at their job. And we don't, you know,
1: some it, of it them just... are really trustworthy, right? But <laughs> look at how backwards her mother is, yeah, right,
0: yeah. And it's very much like totally. you know, understanding what is this American dream narrative, who's mm-hmm. perpetuating it, mm-hmm. and like what is this really say? Benefit, yeah, and I, and I think it, it's a way for people to for marginalized people to benefit from a system that they also you know it's like the only way that is acceptable for them to benefit from a system that is still uh defined and set by the dominating racial class
1: right well and like the racial class socioeconomic class right it's the thing where like capitalism is white supremacy because like it is like people at the top Convincing people at the bottom that they can make it to the top and that it's possible, and yeah. when, it, when they're constantly doing things to like double down on policies and things that make it harder, in fact, for people to like have that socioeconomic mobility.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. Well, let's okay. So first, there was like this Pew study in 2017 that just looked at the American Dream and like what you know, what that means to people. Mm -hmm. So just like level set, what are we, what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. And what do people, what does it connote for people who are like thinking about the American dream? And so being wealthy is a part of it, but it's often not like critical. It's not like the central part of this American dream, right? It's, it's really like, you know, freedom of choice, right? This like ability to have control over your life, having Mm -hmm. a good family life being right. able to choose where you live, right. retiring, um, and you know, there's also some like community. Being able to make like, have community and have like co- contribute to community, owning a home, having a successful career. These are all aspects that are deemed very central to this concept of right. the American dream. Right. Um, and unsurprisingly, uh, Hispanic and uh, the like Latinos were more likely to believe. In components of the American Dream compared to the general U.S. population, so pop. yeah. yeah, the belief that people who want to get ahead can do th- do so through hard work and determination, right? Um, the standard of living had improved com- in comparison to their parents, um, and that right. this like um, belief that sh- their children would have a better standard of living than than they did, and right. Um, and there's really inherent to this idea of the American dream is this idea of optimism and this hope, right, of like, my life will be better because I am the one in charge of making it better because the American dream right. exists, right? Mm-hmm. It is the pathway for me to have utter control over my life to just through, you know, grit and determination, right. improve my circumstance. Um,
1: and that the and hard, hard work so, alone will will result.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, this this belief that you know even though there's there's discrimination and oppression and these you know systems that are designed to make things harder like if i work hard enough i can still you know have a better life or you right. know have realized this american dream
1: totally um
0: and so really inherent in that and protective psychologically is this optimism Mm-hmm. Um and so you know there have been studies that have looked at optimism being positively correlated with better mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, their optimistic individuals tend to have like quote unquote better coping strategies. They're right. more resilient to stress. They see you know this growth mindset. This is like a big thing in the corporate world. Or like you know, being Which, able to see what could be toxic
1: about the corporate world. <laughs> yeah
0: seeing like setbacks or trauma or bad things as opportunities for growth and that that can be like you know a really um positive coping strategy (laughs) yeah uh you know and help you know like look still look towards a hopeful positive future yeah um and so like yeah 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 okay (laughs) (laughs) like i'll sure um but like the part that I get uncomfortable with is like mm-hmm. okay but like it's the same thing and we talked about this too about imposter syndrome or like women who are trying to like uh be in the workplace and have career advancement it's like why do you feel like you don't belong is it because of all the systems that are designed to make you feel like you don't belong but it's in your head and here's a syndrome that we can assign to you and your right. like insecurities
1: totally and
0: it's like imposter syndrome is like
1: so problematic
0: it's so bad and this this american dream is kind of like a flip side of the coin which is like well the american dream here it is this is and if you're optimistic and you work really hard like this is your path but what if you don't or what if you have so many insurmountable obstacles that you're not allowed to talk about because they are only opportunities for growth and so basically That led me to positive psychology and toxic positivity. Yeah. And just, I fell into a deep hole. There's this like fantastic article, which like maybe we can link somewhere or something because I thought it was like super interesting. But, you know, there are these studies and these studies are from like the last couple of years where they're looking. um, I found like two studies that looked at the American dream, optimism, and the Latino community. Right, And it's like, th- these are things that people are looking at and like trying to say are good. Um, even like, you know, acculturation is like a good thing. You're like having, you know, your expectations for what you thought uh, this country would be like. And you're like adapting well, right? Like, ugh. it makes me feel icky. And so I like, kind of stumbled on this article called Don't Worry, Be Happy, erasing Mm. racism sexism and poverty and positive psychology um (laughs) by oksana yakushko um it's really it's like a good article like it's very readable and i literally i feel like very rarely do i read articles where i'm like 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 i'm reading like a novel or something it felt very like narratively compelling but she goes through this whole background of like just psychology in general, which we have talked about, right? But like the the roots of positive psychology actually go all the way back to behaviorism. Yeah. Um. And you know this idea of like so positive psychology, just to give a definition, right? Um. Is the scientific study of human flourishing. Hmm. An applied approach to optimal functioning. So really like proponents of positive psychology is like you know we're not trying to like find the negative things and get people back to quote-unquote normal we're trying to like help people thrive you know right Um, instead of it
1: being like how do you instead of it being how do you not feel depressed it's how do you start feeling happy
0: it's this like
1: it's sort of this like very like um Like they, they sort of give it, instead of thinking of things as like a negative 10 to a zero, where zero is like baseline that you're trying to get back to, what if we thought of it as a negative five to a positive five and zero is just fine, but we don't want to be at zero. Zeros are basically frowny faces. We want to be at fives. Right.
0: How do we thrive? Right. Yeah.
1: How do we thrive? Exactly. I
0: I just realized that we cut past your,
1: your research. No, no, no. Go great. We're doing great.
0: (laughs) So, um you know this is a huge uh father of this field is martin seligman
1: yeah um
0: but the author of this paper like goes all the way back to behaviorism um basically we have like john watson G. Uh-huh. Stanley Hall. these are um, like
1: foundational psychologists y'all yeah. like even founding like fathers founding fathers like pre like like yes freud of course is like the father of psychology but this is pre like this isn't even in the this world is actually very therapy. american
0: this very is american
1: like, psychology yeah.
0: and but it's, this is it's, like
1: outside of therapy psychology this is just the study of brains and behaviors
0: and yeah people. especially behaviors but it's yeah. really like so there's this idea that you know the environment shapes you. There's nothing else but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what you know, like your behavior is who you are. There's not this like internal complicated right. state. There's not a huge right. emphasis on emotions. There's not a huge uh, emphasis on like your past or like what totally. you know. It's, it's, it's actually very right like anti-Freudian. Like it's yeah, it's what you what you observe is what matters.
1: And you and are so, the sum of your acts and yeah. actions. Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. And so. There's a lot of, um, I mean, this positivity thing, right? It's like, if you smile, you will be happy, right? It's like body first, mind will follow. And there's a lot of roots with these individuals specifically and just the the entire field to um, basically like, eugenics right which is like like this is what utopia is yeah it's you know how do we be happy moral and very importantly tied to american capitalism productive
1: productive i knew you were gonna say it
0: (laughs) and so like the they really tied this to eugenics because how they were like talking about kind of bad, problematic, emotional, moral Mm -hmm. forms of behavior Mm -hmm. was often very linked to racial inferiority. Right, And so, you know, like basically black indigenous cultures, people living in poverty were basically seen as having these hereditary emotional and behavioral characteristics that could damage society. Yes. And that, you know, is basically made them unfit individuals and it it talked about you know melancholy anger impulsivity lack of self-control laziness Mm -hmm. fear fearfulness like all of these other kind of weaknesses very much tied to racial stereotypes and uh oppressing like entire groups of people like basically any of these negative emotions or behavioral states are like your fault right um and uh you know it's like (laughs) <laughs> they use the terms feeble-mindedness, um, hereditary liability. Yeah, it's like real yucky, but it's all tied to you know Darwinist kind of theories. Um, who are the fittest? Right. Right. Or, or who was thriving in society, which tended yeah. to be white, happy, healthy wealthy anglo-saxon males essentially
1: and they're the people who like you know they're the ones making the rules and therefore they're the only ones the rules work for
0: yeah i mean even like so bf skinner is like the most famous behaviorist Behaviorist
1: of all time i
0: Mm -hmm. mean these these quotes like i have a bunch of quotes (laughs) and you know it's like very overtly racist like this is not Oh, let's go back and read the texts. Like, no, no, it's
1: really on the He notes.
0: Literally is a quote. If some races are not as intelligent as others, the teacher cannot be blamed if he does not teach them as well. So this like inability to overcome one's own mental weaknesses, quote unquote, right. like is, is a fault of maybe, you know, along racial lines or something. Um, and so Oof. this is like the roots of, positive psychology i mean let's call it the um,
1: foundation like that's yeah. just like it is built on yeah yeah
0: like it's really like this idea of it's up to you you know you you can f- feel like even just like the self-help community the right self-help all of these things that followed brought. which is like yeah like thinking yourself out of emotional states right i yeah. mean it's still such a ubiquitous and harmful community <laughs> like it, and but like this way to do. yeah and this way of like you know you can just think your way to being happy and being like your are suffering therapy is, yeah your your suffering is mm-hmm. is a a uh Choice. a failure of your own self-control yes basically um yes, and so a weakness and because negativity is related to a lack of productivity Right. Right. And like there's a there's very real reasons to fund this kind of research to to be looking at it through this lens. And so that's where positive psychology comes from. Right. Like this optimism, positivity, it's exclusively within your control. Right. And if you're not happy, it's your fault. And Martin Seligman, who's like the founder of positive psychology, his work actually started in this concept of learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. Um and so learned helplessness is like you know if you experience a stressful situation like multiple times, basically you kind of give up and even it, when you do have control over the situation, you just don't try anymore. You right. like learn to feel you, helpless you in learn these to situations. Believe you
1: are helpless and therefore you choose not to. Yeah. Engage.
0: Yeah, and I mean inherent in the idea of the American dream is this like. sense of control or like idea that you have control over your circumstance right and complete denial of like any of these other um obstacles or like like huge barriers or or just pathologizing if you're not super happy all the time
1: yeah it's it's the it is foundational to our country even in that it is literally like puritanical these are these values are literally the values of the Puritans in England who left Yes. and when we talk about to escape religious persecution, the Puritans came over to the United States so they could be more intense.
0: Like they came over (laughs)
1: because they were extremists and they wanted to build a colony where they could be this like idea of like piety and like Mm -hmm. hard work and productivity as the like foundational thing. So these are the values that are so entrenched in whiteness they are then spread across this nation in the form of genocide they then are focused in the late 1700s to build a constitution and then the entire frame and and infrastructure of our country are built on these values
0: yes i, I think too, like
1: from the ground up
0: yeah and it's just like yeah it, it's I think of uh talk about like puritanical or like religious undertones like the um alcoholics anonymous that like oh, prayer yeah. mm-hmm. that's like you know give the me serenity the, prayer. May God yeah, grant this, me the serenity
1: to change the things I have the power to the the to accept, to accept the things I cannot can. change and the wisdom, the wisdom to know the difference. Yes, and like this, yeah, something like that.
0: Some you know, like accept what you can't control, change what you can't control, but the burden is all on you to know, right? And God, I guess. And you know, yeah. it, it's like very like this is so entrenched in our culture from its beginnings, from its very foundation. And you know, it, it's it's this idea, and there's I have lots of quotes from Seligman that are like, he's like, is he still alive? I don't know if he's like I don't know, been around, like he's like yeah. publishing things Probably. as of the 2010s. I mean,
1: like, Positive Psychology, capital P, capital P, it's, like, not that old.
0: No, and, like, yeah, he has quotes, like, you know, if circumstances are to be blamed, the individual's responsibility and will are minimized if not eliminated, right? right. It's, like, it's, there's this other person who I literally can't pronounce their name, but they're uh, a positive psychology, like, researcher as well, Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a quote it's easier to doubt that life makes sense if one is born deformed poor and oppressed um and then like use that to be like but look at all these people who like got their you know willed their way out of their circumstances right and that's very much with this american dream and this you know uh uh model minority you know like these like stories that we like to tell to be like well look at Barack Obama, like we had a black, per- you like, it's just like all these things of right. like examples of people who quote unquote made it mm-hmm. means that the system is fine. Like it's you that is you're the wrong. You're the
1: problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of like cognitive therapy or behavioral therapy, it's very tricky to make sure you don't get stuck in this paradigm in which your future self or your potential self is the person you want to align yourself with, but your current self is bad and lazy and whatever, whatever, whatever. And so it's actually like one of those things that in therapy, I have to be really, really mindful of like, okay, what are our goals? Okay. Let's make sure that like self-compassion is like the through line through all of us so so that we can establish some goals. But if we can love you as you are, then the rest is just changes in behaviors, right? Right. And, And then the changes in behaviors aren't about Uh, this like uh this uh, oppressed like mindset right like a change Mm -hmm. in behavior can be like okay let's if we can have compassion for you whether you get out of bed in the morning or not now we just get to make a choice about like are there days where it's maybe okay for you to not get out of bed and we can still love you and and then are there days where you'd like to get out of bed and that's going to feel more aligned with what you want and who you are But like it has to start from a place of self-love and self-acceptance, not it can never be about getting to, you know, if you're at point A, it can never be about getting to getting to Z. It's always got to be about understanding point A and really finding space to compassionately choose how you want to move forward. But that is not how it was taught. Right. We've talked about CBT in the past where like Aaron Beck, like one of the main things of CBT, like the core beliefs, the the. False or fictitious core beliefs, um, harmful core beliefs would be like the world is an unsafe place. And to believe that is false. You need to let, know that the world is a safe place. And it's like, thanks, Aaron Beck. I'm so glad <laughs> that you <laughs> believe the world to be a safe place. But when I'm right. working with uh, a queer person, a person of color, a marginalized person in any in any way, which almost all people are, right, in some way, that like for them to believe the world is a universally safe place is actually, that's a harmful thing yeah. because they're constantly now being forced to Yeah. It's such or even a even
0: just like the the internal conflict that arises from never speaking of it. Like it's maybe you don't hold on to it and make it like the crutch of your personality. But if you're told that it doesn't exist that your marginalization does not exist.
1: Exactly. Which that's... people are being told that all the time. Exactly. And we've got people like Kanye West standing up and saying white lives matter and saying slavery was a choice and using right. all of these paradigms to like insist to to sort of insist that he has made it where he has when like, you know, this stuff is is as old as time and, mm-hmm. you know, as new as today, right? Like it's yeah. it is ongoing. Yeah. yeah and I
0: just I think that is part of this American dream that sounds really good and hopeful and all that and you root for these success stories that you hear about and you can find inspiration in them and you can also speak to the toxic like positivity of thinking that 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 something's wrong with you if you're not always subscribing to that
1: yeah I mean it is like here's the thing. Happiness as the end goal for all things is toxic positivity because Mm -hmm. there are times to be sad, there are times to be angry, there are times to be serene, there are times to be concerned. Right? Like this. The and so that's the you know the biggest criticism of something like positive psychology is like it also removes the uh, it it places this new sort of judgment on whatever it is that you're feeling, if it's outside of this positive orientation, when like, yeah. you know, your, your emotions, I mean, I'm a very, like, I have a very evolutionary viewpoint of mental health and of psychology, right? Where like, I think most of the time our brains are working, are doing their best to help us. Mm-hmm. And, and so most, uh, you know, the way I view most psychopathology, most, you know, quote unquote, mental illness is From an evolutionary perspective where it's like, okay, what is your brain trying to do for you? Right. And maybe let's work with your brain rather than teaching you that you're the problem. Teaching you your depression is the issue when it's like, okay, let's figure out what you feel sad about and what you're working so hard to protect yourself from. Right. Right. Rather than just being like, stop doing that. Right. Have you ever tried stopping? Right. Which (laughs) like I often will make that joke with clients in therapy where it's like, where it's like, okay, if it was like, especially because when we have this, like, this positive growth mindset, this positive psychology orientation, you know, um, I had a client recently say to me that they were feeling really anxious um, at work. And then they were like, I need to stop. I just need to stop worrying. Like, it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. And I was like, okay, how's that going?
0: Right? Like, oh, great. (laughs) Well, You
1: know, you know, that it's not a big deal, which like, and it's not, the stuff that they're worried about at work is like not a huge deal. So like, how's that working, right? But like right. when your orientation, it actually is so harmful to you. It's it's not, a, not just harmful in the terms of like, oh, the like broader thing. It literally isn't helpful because it actually is now making you the problem. You are the source of your right. issues. When right. it's like, oh, great. Well, bad news, you're bringing yourself wherever you go. So yeah. if we could just learn to work with you, we might actually be able to like get you to a place where sometimes you do feel anxious work because sometimes it is a big deal sometimes work is truly scary and intimidating and stressful and like maybe if we stop thinking you should never feel stressed at work and we're just like yeah okay some days you have like an evaluation and that's stressful now we want you to be able to sleep the night before but like okay like i don't think we need to say it's bad that you're
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not necessarily the anxiety. That's the problem. It's you telling yourself that anxiety is unacceptable. That is like making things worse. Yeah. So that's where I landed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did uh, a little bit of research just into working in the service industry, which like, have you ever worked in the service industry? Yes. I worked in a hotel in Manhattan beach Uh, California so I was not a maid but I worked in Manhattan I
0: was um in retail like yeah at a a department store
1: um so essentially like uh, I I similarly right this idea of toxic positivity is something I was really interested in but looking at like empowerment looking at like job satisfaction and looking at like what psychological well-being looks like and we're we're at the end here and I'm going to sum it up real real short but um one of the things that I found is is a report that said 48% of customers expect specialized treatment if they're a loyal customer, (laughs) which like I just loved. Um, No, but but, it's me. No, but I, it's it's actually me. Um, (laughs) So psychological empowerment is, this is huge when it comes to job satisfaction and performance. So people Mm -hmm. in service jobs where they feel psychologically empowered, um, where they feel they have upward mobility, where they feel like they have some level of control. Um, are more motivated within their spaces. I mean, again, it's the American dream. It's like whether you you know how you believe your own power. Men are more likely to report level, like higher levels of empowerment than women.
0: Unsurprising. Uh,
1: And um, different industries uh, in in this insert different service industries show that uh, different kinds of jobs tend to have more sort of empowerment with uh, people working at call centers as the lowest levels of empowerment, which like,
0: Yeah. Like that. Yeah.
1: That's a tough job. It's a tough gig. Um, so uh, and I looked at another study that just basically um found that in jobs where like verbal aggression is really, really common, like uh that this verbal aggression is almost always accompanied uh with uh racial and ethnic uh aggression. So that Mm -hmm. anytime you're like, oh that those that job, people always get yelled at. That like, if anybody is a non-white person, you should just be assuming that they're also getting like racially yelled at in these spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, employees who feel threatened by customer aggression are, you know, more likely to um, need to vent those emotions in safe spaces, and that the jobs rarely provide those safe spaces to vent those. Um, and that the people who are most distressed by those events are the mo- are more distressed by their job. They burn out faster. Um, yeah
0: yeah that all makes a ton of sense that
1: all makes a ton of sense um so that's kind of my i mean like i mean i'm into it uh that's uh, it on my end for my research but we're gonna be right back uh where we are gonna guess this next movie and get y'all set up so
0: see you in a minute we're back we're back we're back um, i over the break i just was telling jd that i have one more <laughs> Martin Seligman quote that i just want to share real quick because i feel like it just i don't know i i really was like this is a whole can of worms and rab- rabbit hole whatever mixed metaphor i got real upset and my <laughs> thoughts are all over the place go nuts um basically okay he said, contemporary American demagogues who play the race card, invoking reminders of slavery at every opportunity, create the same vengeful mindset in their followers. So race, at least in the United States, is not related to happiness in any consistent way. And basically, past history in general is overrated. <laughs> and yeah, I just was like, mm-hmm, Okay. That wow. that's where it is. Wow. Yeah, and this is the founder of positive psychology. And you know, at best, I feel like it not at best, but like
1: mm, I think maybe at best.
0: Positive psychology, you know, really came up in this colorblind kind of time totally. or racial totally. blindness, cultural blindness, right? And it's like at best is being blind to it. But I really think a lot of these things are very overtly Well, racial. and just
1: like, statements like that are overtly racial. Yeah. Statements like, don't bring up your race right. is overtly racial, right? That's not non-racial. Right. right. Statements like, I don't see color is racist. Like, mm-hmm. it. it is, even if it is sort of Founded on this principle that is saying, I believe all people should be treated equally. And I do my best to consciously treat people of all races the same. That's not the, you know what I mean? Like saying, I don't see color. Right. ignoring the validity of the experiences of other people.
0: Right. It's, yeah. And it's so inherent in positive psychology that it just makes it really hard to, like, I don't know. See the upside. Like I do feel yeah. like there are these, these like you're talking about like cognitive behavioral therapy. There are these real tools. That can be beneficial, real tools,
1: but You can only use those tools when you've started from like a liberation, feminist, anti-racist, you know, you know, queer, positive, non-ableist, you know, like perspective. Because if you start from the finish line, which is what a lot of these interventions are trying to do. You, you know, if you compare yourself, uh, there's a Sarah, Sarah Bareilles line that says, compare where you are to where you want to be and you'll get nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it's that, right? If you're, if it's just this comparison of like, look where you could be, you're, you're done for. It can never right. be about how you should be. You've got to start with where you are and right. then choose these sort of 1% changes to see. And all of it is trial and error because there are times when like, you know, and I've, I've found myself getting caught in that, in that thing, especially when it's working because it oh, often really? does work, but yeah. like, you know, and, but sometimes it'll work and then you'll be like, great, you've got all these goals. And then what's going to happen when you reach it? Oh, everything's not going to be perfect. Right. Rut row. What are we yeah. going to do now? Totally. What the hell are we going to do now? What's that meme? Oh, <laughs> I, <there's laughs> I meme.
0: don't know. I haven't what seen the it. What hell
1: are we going to do now? That's um. Funny.
0: Anywho, yeah. Well,
1: I picked a movie for next week. Hooray. And I'd like for you to guess what it is.
0: Okay. You got to give me some hints.
1: It is from the same year as this movie. It is from 2002. (laughs) It's from 2002. Okay. Here's the tagline. I'm ready. Murder can be prevented the guilty punished before the crime is committed. The system is perfect. It's never wrong.
0: Is it minority report? Yes. <laughs> you just did it a is... whole report on
1: minorities.
0: <laughs> Man, that's that's good. You got you got some zings in. JD. I'm. St-
1: I gotta say, I-, I was like just thinking back to that. Don't the be rocks. fooled by the rocks but I got joke. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> that just bubbled up. I felt oh, okay. so alive.
0: Yeah. Um, because yeah, things mind. just align, you know, it's things like align. a good feeling. Um, minority report is a fantastic choice. I really I've obviously I've I've seen it, but it's like it's it's a good one. I feel like there's a lot to talk about here that we have not. Talk yeah, about
1: it's hard sci-fi which we haven't yeah. done much of yeah um it's a it's sort of a fun little romp a lot of people have seen it tom cruise directed by steven spielberg um you know lots of people colin farrell
0: it's like um, invoked a lot when we like don't aren't happy with ai totally i, I
1: totally. feel
0: like oh a minority report yeah
1: so i'm super excited i haven't I, I think this is going to be a movie unlike this week's movie where i'm going to watch it and be like I feel differently. But lots to be said about the psychology of this film. Yes. And I'm I'm excited. excited.
0: Good pick. Good pick. Thank
1: you. All right. Well, I have been Dr. J.D. Barton.
0: And I have been Dr. Joanna Whitkin.
1: And this has been another episode of Real Psych. So please rate, like,
0: subscribe, leave a comment, message us, watch us on YouTube.
1: Yeah, uh, we love you. Uh, Please keep getting the word out there and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.